Hey guys, how's everyone doing tonight? So good to be together, and isn't it good to reflect on God's goodness as we sing? He is good. And sometimes, sometimes we wonder, but He is good, and we need that reminder. That's why we come together, is to be reminded and to hear His voice, because there's a lot of voices out there, there's a lot of things vying for our attention, our thoughts, but man, we need to hear God's voice, don't we? I need to hear God's voice. We need to hear it together. Well, we're going to trust that God will speak to us tonight. Uh, We are doing a series that uh, a few of us got together uh, a few months ago, Um, Evan and Chris and Drew and myself, and we were just praying, saying, God, where where do you want to take us? And um, we were talking about just the different circumstances of life, because life is full of different situations, right? Different things that happen to us. And the book we thought of in the Bible that speaks to that is Psalms. And the Psalms are really special. They are probably one of the most quoted books, even in the New Testament. So Jesus and the apostles went back to the Psalms a lot. And last week I kind of introduced this idea that, you know, the Bible's an amazing book. It's full of all kinds of different kinds of books. So there's actually 66 different books, but it's one book with one story. It's God's story and how God is redeeming and restoring and, and saving and, and making beautiful this, this broken world. And this story is full of all these different, different ways of speaking to our lives. And the Psalms is really special because it's really a book of songs. Um, we just sang some songs. Well, these were songs that people actually sang, but we don't have the music. All we have are the words. So, but it's really important as we go through the Psalms that we realize that these words are really beautiful images, pictures that really stir our affections, speaks to our hearts. And I think that's why it resonates to us. Resonates to me when I'm going through different circumstances in life. I, I many times end up in the Psalms because it speaks to my heart. And I think it speaks to all of our hearts. Um, and so I'm so thankful for the Psalms. Last week we, we started in Psalm 1, kind of introducing this whole theme of circumstances and how we respond to them. And Psalm 1 is a beautiful introduction to that because there's an a image, a picture of a tree planted by water. And it says, blessed is the one who is like that tree that's planted next to the water. And it compares that person with a wicked person who's like chaff that's blown in the wind. And so we talked about what what does it mean to experience that blessing of God so that we can weather all the different circumstances of life. And what's amazing about that picture is the key is a delight in God's word. As we delight in God, as as we hear his voice and we have relationship with him, He's that stream that we draw from, that rich water that we draw from so that we can bear fruit in our lives through every season of life. So last week we looked at that, and this week we're going to be in Psalm 3. So if you have your Bible, you can open it to Psalm 3. And this psalm speaks to a very specific circumstance. Now, I don't know if you've had this situation, but have you ever been in a place where someone has accused you, attacked you, or called you a failure in some area of your life? Have you ever experienced that? 
I have. I think we all have at some point, differing levels, right? But we've all experienced that trying situation where we're just mad at someone, right? And, and life is tough that way. Well, Psalm 3 speaks to that. So we're going to read, and you can follow along up there. It's not a real long psalm, but starting in verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise against me? Many people are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though ten thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies in the jaw. Break their teeth of the break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. All right, so I'm excited to go into this psalm with you because this is a psalm I've gone to at a few moments in my life. And uh, I, I, I want us to understand the story behind it a little bit because it's a unique story. It's kind of one of the crazier stories in the Bible. The Bible's full of crazy stories. And one of the things that I think makes psalms so special is that King David wrote many of these psalms and he wrote this one. And what we, we, what we know about King David is he was a very flawed person. And that gives me hope because I'm a very flawed person. And the Bible's full of very flawed people. And David was one whose flaws were wide open. But the Bible says of David that he was humble and that he was a man after God's own heart. Isn't that a beautiful description? And, and I hope all of us can be thought of that way as people whose hearts are after God. It's a beautiful description. But as flawed as David was, this story of Psalm 3 is written out of a terrible situation. So David disobeyed God in a few areas. And one of the areas he disobeyed God was in marrying people uh, or women outside of God's plan. And God had always planned from the very beginning that we should be married to one, one other person. Tonight's date night, right? And so I'm so happy that a lot of you guys are going to go out and spend time with your spouses. And that's a beautiful thing. Invest in that relationship. It's a beautiful relationship. But David didn't follow God's plan. He, he kind of went out and found these political alliances through marriage. And, and so one of those women was named Makkah. And this was a political alliance marriage that God had specifically told David and the Jewish people that they shouldn't do, but he did it. And he had a son named Absalom with, with his wife, Makab. And this caused lots of problems for David <laughs> and for the people of Israel. Um, isn't that true that when we disobey God and we do things our own way, doesn't it end up in problems? That's, that's been my life. When, I, when I'm not listening to God and I'm doing whatever I think I should do, but it's not God's will, it, it causes problems. And that's what we see in David. It caused a lot of problems. So what ended up happening is um, David had other children with other women, and one of those uh, sons ended up raping Tamar, who is Absalom's sister, blood sister. So... David had all these kids with different women, and so uh, it was a mess. I mean, what a terrible thing that happened. And it was ugly, and God was upset about it, and David was upset about it. Absalom was upset about it, but Absalom hid it in his heart, and, 
And just with that bitter, that anger of what happened, he didn't deal with it right. And he ends up getting aspirations to become king and take over. Because he kind of blamed David for, for what happened, who was his dad. And so he leads a coup, but he does it in a really sneaky way. And you can read this whole story in 2 Samuel. If you want to go back, you can read that whole, that whole story in 2 Samuel. But he, he basically starts winning bribing people's favor behind his dad's back. And so pretty soon he has this whole alliance and he's got an army and he's got even David's closest advisors. He's won them over and he's ready to take over. He wants to be king. And so David finds out about this and so he has to run away in shame. Now, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to be a dad. <laughs> I have three kids. I can't imagine one of them trying to undo me, you know, take over. You know, that's just hard to even get my mind around. But, but I'm sure David's wrestling emotionally with this idea his son is rising up against him. He's pretty much lost all his political power. So he has to leave the, the land of Israel. So he kind of, he, he runs away and he hides. And that's when he writes this psalm, Psalm 3. So I want to explain that situation so we can understand why David is writing what he's writing. But even though David experienced the consequences of his sin, he understood God's grace. He understood God's goodness. And he never lost sight of who he was as God's child. And I want to look at that with you. If you look at verse 1, um, he says, How many of my foes, how many people rise up against me? So it's not only his son, but all these other people that he trusted have turned against him. And, you know, what a lot of times, you know, it's hard for us to relate to a king because we're not, we're not kings or queens <laughs> necessarily here. But, but we understand that situation where people are maybe against you or maybe people think you're a failure or not, not good enough. And maybe people have even said that. I remember when I was... Uh, a high schooler, one of my teachers came to my parents and said, you know what, your son probably will never be able to go to college. You know, I don't think he's smart enough <laughs> to go to college. And, and so when people say things like that or think those things about that, that hurts, right? And so, um, you know, we've had those experiences. People have said negative things about us or done hurtful things towards us. We've all experienced that. That's part of, part of being human, right? We, we have those experiences. And David had that experience. And what's amazing here is he says, many people are saying God won't help him. Um, but look at verse 3 with me because this is really important. How does David respond? And that's what this whole, every Saturday night we're going to be looking at when we're in these different circumstances, how do we respond? Because we want to be like that tree planted by the stream. We don't want to be like chaff blown away because it, you, we can respond in a wrong way, right? Like Absalom. Absalom had a terrible situation, but he responded in the wrong way. But look at how David responds. Verse 3, But you, Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I, I love that verse. That's, that's a beautiful verse. We should sing that verse uh, because it, it stirs our heart. But I love David's heart in this. He's broken. But where does he look? He doesn't look inside. You know, our culture says, you know, look inside, become yourself, or look inside and find yourself. But, but that's not what the Bible tells us. That, that's a false message. The Bible tells us that our identity is not 
in ourselves, it's in God. Because if I look only within myself, I don't have what it takes in these circumstances. You know, I don't respond correctly <laughs> within my own strength. I just don't. And I don't think any of us do. We need God. And we are made in God's image. We were made to be his children, his sons and daughters. And so it's only in God that we find our identity. It took me a long time to figure that out. But when I figured that out, I found incredible freedom. Incredible freedom to live a different way, a, a good way, a way of blessing. I found, as I found my identity in God and, and specifically in Christ, that I could, I could weather these circumstances and I could live a way that was pleasing to God, just like David does here. And where does David find his glory? He, say, he finds his glory in God. You see, we get in trouble when we're setting out for our own glory. <laughs> we get in big trouble. Because if it's about our glory, we fight back, we, we, we do hurtful things, we, we, we mess it up worse. But David, he says... That God is his glory. So when, whenever we're going through circumstances like this, people are attacking us, they're saying we're failure. Where's our glory? It's God's glory. And when we rest in God's glory, we experience glory. <laughs> and that's what David is praying here. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory. There's a shield that happens around our hearts, around our lives. When we realize that it's not about us, it's about God. You see, this book isn't about us, it's about God. God is drawing us to himself because we were made to be in relationship with him. So not my glory, it's God's glory. And look at, look at what David says, the one who lifts my head high. And so when we're worried about our reputation, and I'm sure David was worried about his reputation, but where does he look? He looks to God's reputation. So it's not my glory, it's God's glory. It's not my reputation, it's God's reputation. Isn't that beautiful? And then if you look in verse 4, what does David do? He says, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. So what do we do? We find our glory in God. We find our reputation in God. And then we cry out to God. We cry out to God. And when we cry out to God, God answers. Now, if you don't remember anything else tonight, remember God answers. He hears our cry. When we're in those tough circumstances, those tough situations where we're being attacked or blamed or called different things, remember, God hears our cry. It's beautiful. I love in the Bible, there's this image at the, in Revelation where it says, God has this bowl full of the tears and the prayers of the saints. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That God is storing, he's listening, he's hearing us. He's not far off, he's near to us. So it's not my glory, it's God's glory, it's not my reputation, it's God's reputation. And it, in my cry, God will answer. Look what happens when we do that. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. We need God's presence, we need his power to do this. But David does this, and what does he say in verse 5? He says, I lie down and I sleep. Boy, that's hard to do when you're anxious and fearful and worrying <laughs> about terrible things that are happening to you or me. But David says, as we let go of our glory, of our reputation, we cry out to God, what happens? The peace of God comes. We know this in the New Testament. What does it say? It says, it says that we are, t by, by prayer and, and, and petition, supplication, as we cry out to God, that the peace of God will guard our hearts. And that's what's happening here. David says, he can sleep, he can lie down. He says, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. 
You see, it's not his own strength. It's God's strength. It's God's power because it's God's glory <laughs> that's working in us. God's glory. So we sleep and we wake up with hope because God gives us that hope. There's no fear, right? He says, he says I will not fear though 10,000 assail me on every side. You see, Satan's tool is fear. When we're under attack, the first thing we do is we fear. We get afraid. But when we trust God, when we look to him, fear is taken away. It's driven away. I've experienced this in my life. And so instead of fear, we experience trust. And this is what God has for us. This is what he has for you. As you go through the circumstances in your life, remember, God wants to give you trust. And trust is a beautiful thing. I love my kids. I have three. When they come running to me and I like to throw them in the air, they never look worried if I will catch them. <laughs> and I always wonder about that, you know, because I'd be maybe a little worried. Are they, is he going to catch me? But, but there's something beautiful about children, right? Because they trust. They trust. Because they, they know that I'm going to catch them. And so in the same way, we know God's going to catch us. We're his children. He's going to catch us. And he's able to catch us. He's powerful enough to work in us. So instead of fear, we have trust. All right, we're going to go into uh, verse 7 because as David is in trust, he also is very human. <laughs> because in verse 7, we see him asking God for his deliverance and he's asking for justice. Now, is it, and here, here's it's what's really important. When we're wronged or something happens against us, we want to make it right. We, we, you know, when I, if you go to a playground and you watch kids, one of the things kids always say is it's not fair. And my kids say this all the time. But we all feel that, right? Because we want justice. We need justice. And you know what? Justice isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's something that we should embrace. Because as David is experiencing the evil consequences of Absalom's actions and even his own actions, he's crying out for justice, right? And deliverance. Here's what we can do. When we trust God, we can trust that he's going to determine the outcome. See, we don't have to be afraid to try to, or try to figure it out on our own. We can trust God. He's going to make it right. So whatever the accusation is, whatever someone's accusing of or attacking you, undermining you, trust God for the outcome. He's got the outcome in his hands. <laughs> and David trusts that. He, he says, God, you deliver me. You have justice. And can't you relate with David? I mean, just punch him, God. <laughs> you, have you ever felt that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever prayed that? Well, David did. And so it's a very human prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that longs for justice. Now, I want to jump to the New Testament here because Jesus has done something phenomenal. And we're going to celebrate communion tonight. And, and we're going to do this every night in this series of Psalms. I think this is so important because even as we go through the Psalms, we got to remember the gospel. Jesus came to save us and deliver us from our own sin and the curse of sin in this world. And one of the ways he's doing that is through this issue that David is facing with Absalom. Because we long for justice. We also long for love. Romans 12 tells us that in Christ, there's a new way to live. So when we're being wronged, there's a new way to live. There's a new way to respond. It says in Romans 12, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful. 
to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so what he's saying is, you know, when you're in those situations, we're not looking for war. <laughs> we're looking for peace. We're praying for peace. We're longing for peace in our lives and the lives of others. And then he says in verse 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't that what David is ultimately praying here? Like he's not the one fighting Absalom. He's, he's crying out to God and saying, God, you take care of this situation. You deliver me. You bring your justice. And you know what that brings? That brings freedom. Because we don't have to get back at that person. We don't have to get back in that situation. We can trust God that he is going to bring justice. But then Jesus takes it a whole new level. <laughs> he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. This is incredible. This is a new way to live. And so, how do we do this? We're going to come to the table tonight because the only way we can do this is because of Jesus. Because Jesus was falsely accused. He was betrayed by his closest friends. Jesus was spit upon. He was hit. He was whipped. And he was nailed to a cross. And you know what's amazing about that? Is he didn't do wrong to any one of those people. He didn't do anything wrong his whole life. He was only good. He only helped. He only healed. He only delivered. Yet people hated him and they spit on him. They rejected him. And they did all those mean, nasty things to him. But how does Jesus respond? He's, he's hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. See, Jesus lived this out. He loved his enemies. And, and here's what we got to take stock of tonight because it's easy to look look at those who hurt us and think, yeah, they deserve God's justice. But we have to be aware that we too deserve God's wrath and his justice because we've all done wrong. We've all sinned. We've all hurt someone. We've all been on the other end of that spectrum where we've done the hurtful words or the mean things to someone. So what do we do? I want to read out of one of the prophets, Micah. Because David shows us and Micah reminds us, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. There's hope in God. He says, I wait for my God, my Savior. My God will hear me. So we cry out to him. And then he says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Isn't that beautiful? So whatever darkness we're in, whatever darkness we've been on the other end of as people doing to us or we've done to people, the Lord is light. So there's hope for the, one, the perpetrator and there's hope for the victim. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? There's hope for all of us. Because I have sinned against him. All our sin is ultimately against God. We were the ones who nailed Jesus to the cross. I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case, case and upholds my cause. Did you hear that? God's wrath is poured out, but 
the same God whose wrath is poured out, he also pleads my case and upholds my cause. <laughs> so Jesus nailed to the cross under the wrath of God, he's pleading for you and me. He's saying, God, forgive them. God, have mercy on them. God, don't pour your judgment on them. Save them. Jesus saves us. He pleads our case. He will bring me into the light and I will see his righteousness. Do you believe that tonight? <laughs> that you will see his righteousness? That you will experience that? You will have that? And then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. And he or she who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now, she will be trampled underfoot like the mire in the streets. And I think that's an image of sin being destroyed. Because Jesus said, it is finished. All our sin is gone. All those guilty, shameful words, fears, all those voices saying, we will never be enough or able, are gone. It's underfoot. Jesus is victorious. Now, I'm going to invite the musicians up to come first, and they're going to take the bread and dip it in the cup, and then as soon as they come up, and then after they get set up, I want you to come on up when you're ready, and I want you to think about this as you're coming to take communion tonight. Jesus had this meal with his disciples before he went to the cross. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're the family of God. We're the, we're the sons and daughters, the brothers and sisters who come together by God's grace, because of his mercy, because of what Jesus has done. And we remember that we can't live this way on our own. We need God's power. And tonight we can remember be reminded that his power is enough, <laughs> that his blood is enough, his body was enough to make us right with God and with each other. And so instead of, of anger and hatred, we can love each other, we can forgive each other. And one of the beautiful things about communion is this is an opportunity to remember our relationship with God, but also with each other. And so if you're struggling here tonight with someone who's maybe done you wrong, or you need to forgive someone, or maybe you need to go ask someone to be forgiven, do that business. Do it now. Do it with the Lord. Uh, if there's someone in this room, maybe go to them first. Or, or maybe after tonight, you need to go to someone. But, but I want you to just reflect on that as you come forward and remember Christ's body and his blood shed for us.